I'm Helena. And I'm Lydia. And we would like to introduce the inaugural Emma's Trust podcast, all about, well, you guessed it, toilet troubles. And this is our first podcast, so do bear with us um, and please let us know what you think. So bowel and bladder symptoms are one of the most common symptoms of MS. But yet many people feel too embarrassed to talk about what they're experiencing. But the thing is, there are many successful approaches to treating and managing both bowel and bladder problems in MS. So if you open up to your MS nurse, GP or continence service about what you're going through, they should be able to help you find the solutions that work best for you. So in this podcast, we would like to banish those toilet taboos once and for all. It's time to stop blushing and start talking. So to get us started, um, we are going to talk briefly about managing bladder symptoms in the workplace. Um, So Helena, you have MS and you were diagnosed how long ago? Uh, So it's just over 10 years ago. Um, and um, well with the bladder thing is interesting because I think I knew from quite early on that I did have a bit of bladder problems but I didn't really raise it with my MS nurse probably because yeah it's a bit embarrassing to talk about Um, eight years ago I had um, my first uh, child and I think um, some of the dignity or modesty or whatever you call it kind of went what goes out the window around that time and you end up talking an awful lot about pee and poo because of the children and then it kind of felt a bit silly uh, when I went to see my MS nurse why I wouldn't actually talk to her about um, the issues that I had so my problem tends to be that my bladder fills up very quickly it feels like so I have to run to the toilet an awful lot and uh, obviously that can cause issues at work um, so I, I sit quite close to the toilet, which is nice if I do feel the urge that I need to run there. Um, there's other things, you know, you can do, like not drink too much coffee. Now, I love starting the morning with a big cup of coffee, and I really, you know, I, I can't really do without it. So I just have to bear that in mind if I do have meetings and things that I have to go to. So I knew that that's maybe not a good thing to do if I have a two-hour meeting that's going to happen afterwards. Um, but you know it's also important to keep on drinking and having water and things so you don't do not like stop drinking because then you'll feel bad because of that and as you said people can be embarrassed to talk about these kind of things do you have any tips for kind of explaining to work colleagues and your manager about these issues and just sort of reminding them that if you're in a really long meeting there may be a chance that you might have to nip out Hmm. Well, it's a tricky thing. I mean, obviously, I'm very lucky because I work at the MS Trust and everybody knows about these kind of things here. Um, but I feel like actually come armed with some information and, and maybe print something out from our website or send off to one of our books and, and kind of go maybe talk to HR first and kind of let them know what's going on and then talk to your manager. Um, or if you're in school, you know, go and talk to your teacher um, because it's 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 not really a big problem to to run out to the toilet now and again. It's just maybe that you just need to be aware. Uh, at the moment, I can sort of stand up in a meeting and go, "Sorry, I got MS bladder," and then <laughs> run off. Um, which you know, it's it's um, quite convenient for me. I know that not everybody has the confidence to do something like that, but but please, you know, do because it it really is so very very common. So it's not nothing to be ashamed of at all. And that's exactly what we want to do in this podcast. We want to encourage people to talk about these kind of things and raise awareness of MS and the various different symptoms. So next, we're going to talk to Tom from our information team. He's going to tell us a bit more about why bowel and bladder problems occur in MS. 
Over to you, Tom. Hello, my name's Tom, and I'm here to talk to you about digesting some of the science um, in bladder and bowel issues. Talking about bladder and bowel problems can be quite embarrassing, and it can be ordered to raise them with health professionals. But they are actually pretty common problems for people with MS. Over 75 in every 100 people will experience bladder problems at some point, and more than half of people will have bowel problems. Common bladder and bowel problems include sometimes having a desperate need to go to the toilet with little or no warning, needing the toilet more than eight times a day, having difficulty emptying your bladder or bowel, the feeling that your bladder or bowel isn't completely empty, losing control of your bladder or bowel and having accidents known as incontinence, and increased number of urinary tract infections, um, UTIs or water infections. In MS, these problems are caused by the disruption of messages between the brain and the bladder and parts of the digestive system. The symptoms you experience will depend on where the MS nerve damage has occurred. Common problems are caused by damage to the nerve pathways that monitor how full your bladder is and control emptying. Usually, when urine reaches a certain level in the bladder, nerve endings in the wall send signals to the part of the spinal cord that controls bladder emptying. This is known as the reflex centre in the spinal cord, and it also sends messages to the brain, making you aware of the need to empty your bladder. Damage to these nerve pathways can affect both your sensations of needing to go to the toilet and your ability to control when and how much you urinate. Bowel problems in MS occur as a result of the disruption of messages between the brain and various parts of the digestive system. This causes problems with sensation in the rectum and control of the anal sphincter. And the two main problems result, constipation, difficulties in emptying the bowel, and incontinence, lack of control over bowel opening. You can find out more information about this in our books and our A to Z of MS. Thanks, Tom. So now we're going to put some of your questions to MS specialist nurse Noreen Barker. Is there medication I can take to help with how frequently I need to wee? Yeah, there are medications that you can try. They're now called anti-muscarinics. They used to be called um, anticholinergics. And the way that they work is just by um, relaxing the bladder a little bit to allow it to fill a little bit more before you get the message that you need to go. Um, They are quite commonly prescribed, though I would always suggest that you've been to see somebody and had an assessment first, as sometimes needing to um, pass urine frequently can be because your bladder is not emptying properly, in which case these medications won't really help. They might actually make your symptoms seem worse. Um, There's been lots of information in the press of late about the fact that they can have an effect on uh, cognition, So it's also a consideration, especially thinking that memory and thinking problems can be a problem in MS. Someone has mentioned a radar key to me. How can I get hold of one of these? Yeah, these are something that are absolutely fabulous. Um, A radar key you can uh, buy from a lot of sources online. Uh, I checked online this morning and you can even buy them from Amazon. 
However, the official radar keys come from an organisation called Disability Rights UK. So their website is www.disabilityrightsuk.org and it costs around £5, including the, the VAT and postage and packaging. And they do issue a guide every year to tell you where those disabled toilets will be. The keys are quite chunky, so a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, I don't know where to keep it. But I think the idea is to make sure that only people who really need them are using them rather than them being used by everybody. Are there any exercises I can do to help strengthen my bladder? Yes, there are uh, exercises called pelvic floor exercises. So if you look on the internet and you look at an American site, they might be called Kegel exercises. Um, so this is uh, basically doing exercise to engage your pelvic floor, which um, is a sling of, of muscles that's in your pelvis that basically supports all of your pelvic organs. Um, and if you have got any weakness of your pelvic floor, so say, example, if you are a lady and you've had babies in the past or you've had problems with constipation and that's weakened your pelvic floor, you can do pelvic floor exercises to try and help strengthen that. Um, pelvic floor exercises are particularly good for, for gentlemen as well. So classically, they're talked about in terms of stress incontinence, so where you leak if you cough or you sneeze or you laugh. Um, but they are very good for helping calm down, you know, helping calm down the urge if you've got some urge incontinence as well. Um, and there is lots of information out there about pelvic floor exercises. Probably the um, information sheets that I used to use used to come from the Bladder and Bowel Foundation, but they don't actually exist anymore. But my understanding is that you can get information from Bladder and Bowel UK. What MS health professionals can help me deal with these symptoms? I think any MS healthcare professionals can help. So be that your MS specialist nurse, your um, MS consultant, uh, your MS physio. You know, this is something that you shouldn't be afraid to talk about. Um, and any of those people can, if they can, they'll, they'll quite often be able to give you the very basic advice to try and help your symptoms. But they should also be able to refer you on to somebody who really can help in a little bit more depth so be that your local bladder and bowel service in the community so uh, bladder and bowel specialist nurses or uh, a urologist um, or if you're very lucky and you've got a neuro urology department somebody there will changing my diet help with constipation and other bowel symptoms Diet can certainly help. We all need a certain amount of fibre in our diet to help make form our, our emotions when we go to the toilet. So definitely if you don't have a diet that's very uh, balanced or, or has got much uh, fibre in it, so you could have a nice, balanced, healthy diet with plenty of fruit and veg and you know seeds that will help. Um, it often won't help alone and it quite often needs to be in conjunction with how much you're drinking, so making sure you're drinking enough fluid as well. Um, but yeah, I would say diet is the first thing to try and change if you're trying to ease constipation. Are there any drinks I should be avoiding? If you're thinking about your bladder, then uh, you need to be, if you do have um, urgency of needing to go to the toilet or frequency, then uh, you 
maybe should avoid drinking too much caffeinated drinks or highly coloured drinks or uh, for some people very fizzy drinks. So, you know, life would be very boring if you only drank water. <laughs> so maybe it's uh, if you drink a lot of tea or coffee, it's trying a, a decaffeinated version. And in my career, I've always advised people to gradually reduce the number of caffeinated drinks that they drink to maybe switching them. So over a couple of days, maybe switching some of your cups of tea to decaffeinated rather than caffeinated, and that can help. Drinks that are very highly coloured can irritate the bladder, and fizzy drinks for some people can be a trigger. So, you know, cola can be a, a big no-no for a lot of people. But the most important thing is making sure that you drink enough. So in total, you know, depending on your height and your build, maybe making sure that you have between you know a litre and a litre and a half a day. A lot of people feel that they should be drinking two litres of water a day, but if they add that to their everyday drinks, that means that they're drinking an awful lot of fluid. So quite often be guided by what colour your urine is. You know, if it's nice and pale, you're drinking enough. If it's very concentrated and orange looking, then you're probably not drinking enough. What incontinence supplies are available on the NHS and how can I access them? This is always a really common question. So um, incontinence supplies, so thinking about things like uh, pads, um, so be that tiny little pads like, you know, um, uh, little shaped pads from a well-known supplier. <laughs> um, they, two quite big products, are available on the NHS, but they are not a prescription item. So usually in order to access those, you're going to need to be need to see your local bladder and bowel service. They'll usually have a policy, so unfortunately they won't often supply for people who want to wear pads just in case. They might have a certain criteria, so say for example, you have an accident maybe three, four times a day. And usually a, a pad will be given if um, you've gone through a thorough assessment. I found that I can't tighten up to stop myself weeing or opening my bowels. Plus, I don't seem to have any push. Can MS make you incapable of using your pelvic floor muscles? Yeah, some people will have difficulty um, using their pelvic floor muscles. So sometimes that's because they maybe don't have the sensation of what they're doing. So it's very difficult to uh, tighten your pelvic floor if you're not quite sure what you're tightening. And that's really where seeing your local... Um, bladder or continent specialist nurse will be really helpful because most um, centres will examine you as part of an, ass an assessment and will actually talk you through making sure that you you are uh, isolating the right um, pelvic floor muscles. Sometimes I have bowel problems where without warning I just lose it even when I'm out. Is there anything I can do to help me with this? This can be a really tricky problem um, an awful lot of the time, it's uh, it depends on what your normal bowel habit is like. So for all of us, if uh, your motions are very loose, uh, you can't always distinguish between what is uh, wind and what is um, your bowels. Um, quite often having a regular routine and trying to empty your bowels before you leave the house can help. Um, and sometimes that is quite a long process of trying to, to get that right pattern. Um, but quite often, 
those symptoms can be improved. So I would say that the most important thing is to see somebody about it and get an individualised care plan. What is the best way to deal with constipation? I think the best way is looking at what is happening. Is this a new problem or is this a problem that's been going on for a long time before? Sometimes looking at what your bowel habit was like before and what has changed in life. So uh, sometimes it can be very simple in that it can be eating the right foods and drinking the right things. But sometimes it's quite simple things of making sure that you allow yourself the time to go to the toilet. We all live really busy lives now. And if you've you've got problems with, say, faecal urgency or or frequency, um, sometimes you just need to allow yourself the the right sort of um, way of doing things first thing in the morning. So for a lot of people now, we eat our breakfast and we rush out the door and we don't actually give ourselves the time to go to the toilet you know, naturally our bodies have got something called the gastrocolic reflex, which is when we eat or drink something, it stimulates our gut peristalsis. So most of us are going to get that call to go to the toilet, maybe 20 minutes or so after we've had something to eat and drink. Now, for some people, that will be first thing in the morning. Other people, that'll be in the evenings, you know, depending on the sort of hours that you work or the shift patterns, particularly that's quite an issue with people that work shifts. It's trying to find that right time to go. Other things, uh, lots of other things that people can try, um, such as uh, abdominal massage, um, keeping uh, mobile and doing exercise. So be that if you're, you know, fit and active, you know, going for a walk, you know, cycling, you know, doing uh, yoga to, if you're not so mobile, even just standing up a couple of times a day to try and and help everything. So, you know, people who are less mobile, you know, having a standing program or doing some chair-based exercises will help. Uh, There's lots of uh, over-the-counter medications and prescribable medications out there. So whether or not it's a medication that's a stimulant to that is sort of a once every so often stimulant to get your bowel moving to other things that are softeners that help uh, keep the the stool nice and soft and easier to go um, to you know very strong medications or you know things that are not an oral medication such as suppositories or enemas if you know people really can't go. But sometimes it's just as simple as um, having the right position on the toilet and and actually giving yourself the right position to be able to go. So um, as a continence advisor in the past and as an MS nurse, I'm quite often remembered as the woman who demonstrated how to sit on the toilet properly. So i.e. always make sure that you've got your feet on the floor or on a surface. So that's quite difficult if you need to use a raised toilet seat. Um, It's quite difficult especially if you're quite short like me to get your feet to the floor so sometimes using a little step like a a kid used to reach the toilet to put your feet on if you've got your knees slightly higher than your hips and you um, you sit forward a little bit that puts you in a nice anatomical position to go you know we were anatomically made to squat though we all nice now sit nice and primly on the toilet so positioning can be an important thing um Lots of people tell me that they use other things to try and help stimulate their bowel, so whether or not it's adding uh, linseed or flaxseed into their diet, 
or taking aloe vera. I've got lots of people that swear by their cup of, cup of coffee first thing in the morning. It's finding what is the right thing for you and finding that right pattern that just keeps things going. And if you can't manage it by yourself, then always seeking advice because sometimes a fresh pair, pair of eyes on things makes a big difference. Could you talk to us about the pros and cons of using catheters? Catheters are always a worrying issue. So nowadays we uh, have lots of people that manage their bladders uh, if they have any urgency or frequency or incomplete emptying by using an intermittent catheter. And I would say that most people, when it's first discussed with them, have got a few concerns. So obviously it's not natural to want to put a tube into yourself and to do something that maybe you feel a bit uncomfortable doing. However, you know, modern technology is a great thing. There's a great range of catheters in, uh, you know, different uh, materials, different sizes, ones that are ready coated, you know, and they really, intermittent catheters, you can put them into the bladder. The idea is that you drain out the residual urine that's there. You take the catheter out and you get on with your day. Uh, You know, obviously people worry about how they can manipulate catheters now, you know, I would say if you've got the dexterity to be able to do your buttons up or put your earrings in or hold a pen, you know, there is probably a catheter that that might suit you. Uh, The other worry that ladies have is that obviously anatomically it can be quite challenging to put the catheter in, but I would say if you've got somebody who teaches you in the right way, you know, often self-catheterisation is really a really easy uh, management technique that you can use and it can make the difference it can make the difference between uh, getting up to the toilet you know four or five times at night or even having an accident at night when actually you didn't need to or rush into the toilet and of all of the things uh, as you know uh, as a nurse over the years that I've encouraged people to do it's usually one of the things that really changes people's lives for the better. My MS nurse has recommended that I get treated for a UTI. Why would this be? Well, quite often if people report a change in symptoms, uh, we're trying to make sure that they haven't got some underlying reason why those symptoms have changed. And quite often we are going to be thinking about whether or not somebody's got a urinary tract infection. So, yeah, I I quite commonly tell um, anybody that I see to have their their urine checked. Um, And that you know, can be because if they've got a urinary tract infection and we can treat it, that sometimes those symptoms do calm down. Um, But if they are having a more serious uh, relapse and they have got a urinary tract infection, we want to treat that infection to make sure that we can safely treat them with um, oral steroids. Uh, But yes, it's a a really common question and uh, certainly... um, in my previous community job, I, I did have patients that I, I think I nagged them so well about it that they used to ring me and say, my symptoms have changed and I've already had my urine checked. So, you know, it's really common. I think with urinary tract infections, it's making sure that if you do go to GP surgery and they check your urine, that um, quite often surgeries will dipstick urinalysis, do dipstick urinalysis. Um, and from that, you know, they can give sort of very very uh, broad-spectrum antibiotics. But the really important thing is hopefully making sure that your urine is sent away 
for microscopy and culture to make sure that you actually are on the most correct antibiotics. Um, this is important because obviously, you know, in today's era of with lots of antibiotic resistance, you know, we don't want people on unnecessary antibiotics that are not actually helping. But it's also if people do have recurrent infections, then we can look back over time and look at whether or not it's always the similar bug that's grown or if they are very separate urinary tract infections. I would say as a general rule, if you've had more than you know two or more urinary tract infections in the period of six months, and they have been quite separate instances, you know, that you've had a clear period of recovery in, in between, but that is the point to sort of ask your GP or ask your MS nurse or consultant if you can be referred to be seen by somebody for further investigation. And finally, what would be your top tip for dealing with MS, bowel and bladder problems? Well, my top tip's got to be don't keep it a secret to yourself. Um, bladder and bowel symptoms are the most common uh, most common symptoms in MS. And really, of all of the MS symptoms, they are quite easily ma- uh, improved, if not uh, sorted completely. And I think it's not being afraid to talk to people about it because we all do, we all, we can all have problems with our bladder and our bowel, whether or not we have MS or not. So that's it from us. Thank you for listening. We really hope you've enjoyed this podcast and found it useful. As we said at the beginning, any feedback would be really welcome. And if you want to know anything more, please do check our website, which is mstrust.org.uk.